0: In this week's episode, fell asleep before the second dose and my Dexcom alerts for nighttime were turned off. So I basically disaster. slept the whole night. And I think I was like up oh, at f- like 15 or 16. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulon podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. What's happening, everybody? What's happening? You, personally, welcome back to the podcast. I hope you're having a good day. Hope you're looking forward to this episode. And usually what happens is, when me and Graham start recording, we usually kind of chit-chat for 15, 20 minutes, say, what we'll cover on the podcast, what happened throughout the week. But this time, we have just come online and Graham has said he's had to leave his apartment because it's now a COVID apartment. <laughs> so we said, you know what? Just wait, 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 wait. Don't tell me yet. Just tell me on the podcast. So you are hearing Graham's COVID story at the same time I am for the first time. So, Graham, fill us in, please.
1: Do I sound okay? Because I don't have my microphone. Is it all right? I'm, yeah.
0: Do you know what really really, annoys me about I can't really
1: hear myself either. I
0: always like to do things very professionally.
1: Uh, And Graham
0: goes on about how he has over 10 years experience in the radio. He's an expert. He knows this. He does that. He's just a true professional. And he doesn't even have a microphone.
1: So this is my story. So on Saturday, (laughs) I have a very good friend called John Mack. And his girlfriend is Nathania. And they were traveling South and Central America. And me being the good friend that I am, I said, do you know what you can do? Because they're flying back to Dublin and then we're obviously Dublin's on the east coast of Ireland and I'm from, he's my friend from home, from the west coast of Ireland and they needed to do a bit of bits and bobs across the weekend in Dublin and then on Monday, which is today, they were going to get the train home. So I said, do you know what you can do? You can have my apartment. It's a one-bedroom apartment. You can stay there. I'll hang out with you for the weekend and I can go stay in Claire's family house because um, because that's free for the weekend because her, her parents go on holidays and Claire's on holidays, so I'll just have the house to myself. He messaged me the day before saying, do you know what, I, I feel a little bit sick and I was a bit sick last <laughs> week. And uh, we really wanted to get uh, some COVID tests, but uh, we're in Panama and they don't have any antigen tests. And I was like, geez, what kind of place doesn't have any antigen tests? But I was like, I'm sure you'll be fine. Yeah, That's grand, you'll be, you'll be grand. Um so what I said was, I was like, just, just in case. I said, just in case. Instead of me collecting from the airport, I said, get a taxi from the airport to my apartment. It'll be about twenty euros. I'll leave a couple of antigen tests on the table. I will let you into the apartment. I'll run to the shop. I'll come back. You'll be negative, and we'll have a great time. And we'll enjoy. There's a bit of building work going on. Nick. What's that
0: banging in the background? <laughs> somebody banging pots and pans in your kitchen
1: it's literally the, we'll, we'll get to that Okay. <laughs> so I bring them in, they're wearing their masks they sound a bit nasally but I'm sure they're fine and then they go in they don't even know how to do an antigen test they've been living in Malaysia they've been in South Africa they've been travelling Central and South America for I don't know how long. They've never done an antigen test. And I don't know if it's an Irish thing that we're just shoving those swabs <laughs> up our throats all the time. <laughs> yeah. But I had to kind of long stand. routine. Yeah. I just stand in the hallway going, this is how you do it. And they go, what do you do? You, do you How far do you put it back? I go, you guys for real. And you know when you first start doing them, you're like. Eh, eh, yeah. Eh. It's, like, it's like, lads, <laughs> pull, shove it back the nasal cavity. Give it a good root around and pull it out. And then within three seconds, my friend John's, (laughs) sorry about that banging. (laughs) My friend John's came up bright red. Like it was aggressively positive. And they go, what does two lines mean? I go, are you for real? Are you for real? So I was like, see you later. So I got out. I went to Claire's family home. And then... They were like, oh, do you mind if we stay an extra day? I was like, look, I have this family gaff for the whole week, so it's fine to worry about it. But I realized my microphone is in the COVID apartment, so I don't have my microphone. Now, luckily, I, I anticipated them being positive, even though I didn't think they were going to be positive. So I grabbed a few changes of clothes on my laptop. But I, I just had it in the car, so I didn't have to be rooting around. But, um, but yeah, that's why I don't have my microphone. And then I came out here today, and I was like, right, I'll record it on and what do I see but builders next door <laughs> in a massive so skid typical and they're doing renovations next door as well and all you can hear is the banging and I was like it's been all afternoon and there's nowhere in the house because it's a, it's a semi-detached house so we're literally like literally he's banging on the wall which is over there and it I'm sounds
0: the as if they're like directly beside you if not in the room
1: let me see can I, can I move around oh my god there's another skip coming. <laughs> Maybe if I go into this. If
0: anybody's listening to this episode right now and knows of any reliable podcast producers, please get them to get in touch with me directly <laughs> and just give Graham because uh, it's ah. it's not acceptable at this stage. Graham.
1: I will say. As ah, I is not having my apartment, it is great having a wonderful, massive house just to myself. That's Claire's relaxed. Nice and relaxed. Claire's. I'm now sitting in Claire's dad's armchair in the uh, in the sitting room. So that's my story. I've moved in the sitting room now, so hopefully the acoustics are a little bit better in here. Apologies if you didn't enjoy the banging. But that's, <laughs> that's my story. That's where I'm at. And it's mad because you're kind of, in Ireland anyway, and I don't know, you're obviously listening all around the world, so COVID is at a different stage in everyone else's country. But in Ireland, anyway, you get the sense that, oh, it's it's nearly gone. It's not even a thing anymore. So it's such a surprise when it actually is in your apartment and at your front door. And like, oh, wait, this still is a thing. This is still out there. And we still have to be careful of it, which is uh, which was a, a, a gentle reminder of it. So when are you going
0: to be back in your apartment?
1: So they said they're leaving tomorrow or Tuesday. Oh, no, today is Monday. They said they're leaving tomorrow, Tuesday. Because um, that that they've been nine ten days then since they first had symptoms, but uh, my issue is now is when I go in there, what's the story with COVID on surfaces? Do I have to like, scrub absolutely everything?
0: I don't know. I reckon the safest bet is just burn it down.
1: Yeah, probably after all my hard work decorating it. <laughs> all my <laughs> yeah, even we've even
0: documented that on this podcast too.
1: If you've been following my journey of painting it, all my hard work just to get rid of the COVID. But look. That's my story. That's where I am. I'm actually so relaxed now. I actually think I might start doing the podcast like this from now on. Just relaxed. In just a have chair. a
0: handheld mic.
1: Yeah, I think I might do that. Um, oh, yeah. What's your story?
0: We've now been speaking for seven minutes. Yeah. About.
1: They now they've now got the Hoover every, going like,
0: next door. Nothing related to diabetes. So again. I feel as if I'm frequently apologizing on this
1: on this podcast
0: for the chit chat that is so completely unrelated to diabetes, but you're getting uh, a nice in-depth insight into myself and Graham's life, which oh, is...
1: I've got diabetes news. What? Last night I had dinner with a diabetic. No way. Yeah. I was you let a-
0: them sit at your table.
1: I know, I know. <laughs> Who was it? He was, I was out with a couple of friends and he's one of my very close, one of my best girl mates' boyfriends. And as a first, well, it's kind of the second or third time I met him, but the first time I've got to sit down and I was just dropping, you know, "Uh, do you have a Dexcom or a Freestyle Libre or, and he had had a little um, plastic, uh, little plastic bag of, you know, those sugary sweets where they're shaped of keys. They look like keys. Oh, I love them. I yeah. Love, like the chewy ones. Yeah. And then one of the friends at the table was like, oh, unreal. Give us some of them. And I was like, <laughs> no, no, no. In my head going, yeah. no, they're, they're for his diabetes. Leave him alone.
0: It's unreal. It's actually funny that you say that because I was only having this conversation with my clients last week about, in my opinion, you should not enjoy your hypo treatment oh. because it's like. Yes, number one priority, always with a hypo, is get your blood sugar back in range. But the next priority is making sure you don't have that massive rebound high. So that's why if I stick the glucose tablets, it's like, look, they don't taste that great. The texture isn't that nice. So I'm less inclined to over-treat. Whereas if I have a bag of those sour, chewy dummies or whatever, or keys, like, i just be eating them for the whole day because they taste amazing. Oh, they're so nice. So nice. And I was actually... So did he think... Go on, go on, go on. No, you go Did he think that you were like some diabetic professional now after
1: after the podcast? Yeah. And I'd be very close to his girlfriend. So he would have known that I, uh, I do the podcast with you. But I was taught because he does CrossFit training. So I was asking him about his different styles of training. And I was telling him... Because obviously he would do one type of training, and I was saying how when you do cardio and when you do um, uh, resistance, it has different effects on your blood sugars. And he was amazed at that. I was like, yes, listen to the Insulone podcast. We've got three episodes in a row, high intensity, resistance, and cardio. So he doesn't even listen to the podcast yet? Nah, he might now after seeing what a professional I was, dropping Freestyle Libra Dexcom to him. A, a walking business card you are, Graham, for the podcast. I try my best. I try my best on... Right. <laughs> now we're 10 minutes into the podcast. Right. And and enough I, is enough. And I, enough, and is enough I've just been giving you my details of my life.
0: So my details, right. couple things happened to me this week. And they both relate to high blood sugars. And if anybody knows me... Well, everybody... Anyone listening to the podcast knows me now if they've been listening to the podcast. I absolutely hate high blood sugars. Now... I have trained myself to respond well to high blood sugars, but I absolutely hate them with a passion. And I had two high blood sugars. I frequently will go higher, but these were noticeably high. So one was basically, I was, what was I? I think I was working. I was working a lot throughout the day, and I didn't eat that much throughout the, throughout the day because I was really busy. Didn't have too much time. Not an excuse in my mind, but I'll go with it. And I didn't eat as much as I usually do throughout the day. And I always have a cutoff point for my last meal at night. So I know that throughout the night, my blood sugars ideally are going to stay pretty stable. So I have that cutoff point. I have a few hours between my last meal and my bedtime. So I know how my bloods are going to behave throughout the night. On this particular day, because I was busy, because I didn't eat that much throughout the day, I was absolutely starving when I finished work. And I finished pretty late. And in my head, I was like, oh, it's late. I know I don't want to eat this close to bed, but I'm also absolutely starving. So I was like, you know what? I'll have a big meal, make up for lost time (laughs) throughout the day. And when I'm having larger meals, Usually with higher fat, higher protein, I'll split my dose into two or three. So what happened was, took my first dose, had my big meal, had planned the second dose so I could counteract that delayed spike from higher fat, higher protein, and fell asleep before I could take the second dose. And what happened was I have an alert schedule on my Dexcom. So I have a different high alert from eleven p m to six a m so that if my bloods go over a certain number when I'm asleep, it's generally lower than my daytime alarm. I'll wake up, I can treat it, so I, again, I can ensure I stay stable throughout the night. The alert schedule was turned off i can't even I can't even oh. remember why it was turned off, so basically what happened was I had a huge meal, yeah, fell asleep before the second dose, and my dexcom alerts. For night time, were turned off, so I basically oh, slept the whole night, and I think I was like up at f- like fifteen or sixteen, and I Ooh. woke up feeling like I had been hit. Like I always say, hit by a bus. Yeah, or had had about fifteen nights the night the night or fifteen nights, fifteen pints the night before, which would have been a lot better. But uh woke up feeling horrendous. Dry mouth, puffy eyes, felt as if my eyes were crusty, dehydrated, just felt awful. But like I've said, I have trained myself to not be affected by that. And what I always say is so much of you managing your diabetes consistently in a healthy, happy, confident way is you understanding that your blood sugar is not going to be perfect. You can try to make it be perfect. It's still not going to be perfect. But the next best thing is how you react and you respond when things aren't perfect or something goes quote unquote wrong. So because of that, when I woke up, <laughs> my blood sugar that high, physically, felt chite. Initially, mentally, I was fuming. But in those moments, they're the only moments that you can actually practice how you respond to your blood sugar. So anytime that happens to me or it has happened to me over the years, I basically just say to myself, look, take a pause. It's going to happen. But what's important right now is how you react and you respond. Because if I react too quickly emotionally, I'll be raging. It'll affect the rest of my day. I'll probably take too much insulin too quickly. And then you're running the risk of seeing a big hypo if you're slapped with all that (laughs) insulin at once. So in my opinion, actually, it probably is one of the most important things is how you are responding to your highs or to your lows because they have the ability or the potential to affect you for the rest of the day, the rest of the week, even the rest of the month, yep. depending on how you respond to them. And I've said it before, how your blood sugar can almost be like glass, like quite fragile. All it takes is one high or one low to crack that glass and have you be like, Do you know what? Eff it, not bothered. I'm just going to completely overtreat this higher low. And then that leads to more highs, more lows. And then it just can frustrate you. Well, let's use that word. I could use mm-hmm. other words, but I won't for a longer period of time. So next time you have that big high that really, really, really gets under your skin. It quite literally is you saying to yourself, take a pause. It happens. How can I respond to this in a way that won't affect me for the rest of the day? Because it's so, so, so important.
1: What I kind of like about that story as well is, and I know you say yourself, you're not the perfect diabetic, but I'm sure people who listen to this podcast and who follow you online think that you have it sorted and that you always are in range and you never get highs or lows. So, and I know as annoying as that was to get that high and you hate high blood sugars. It's kind of reassuring, I'm sure, for the person listening right now that struggles with highs and lows every day to know that even Owen can fall asleep, (laughs) miss a second dose, forget to put on his alarm. It happens. Shit happens. Basically,
0: of course it does, hundred percent. And as much as you want to be switched on one hundred percent of the time, it's not going to happen. Yeah. But again, just to reiterate, in my opinion you understanding that it's not going to be 100% is such a vital part of it because that's how you can deal with times when things don't go to plan or times when you get pissed off or frustrated or annoyed or stressed out or even anxious about your blood sugar because you can say, look, it's almost expected that this this is going to happen from time to time. So when you expect, when you almost accept and acknowledge the fact that these highs and lows are inevitable from time to time, they're easier to deal with. And as well, I kind of of look at them as like a mental challenge every time they happen. And I love a nice mental challenge. (laughs) Basically, if If my bloods go up that high, like, as I said, they infuriate me. It really, really, really annoys me. But I've trained myself not to be annoyed. Because when I look at it, it's like, right, this is now a test to me or for me about how I'm going to respond. Because it's easy to get angry and frustrated. It's easy to do that. But it's more difficult to pause and acknowledge something and accept something and do something positive about it. That's harder to do. Anybody would tell you that. It's easy to get pissed off. It's easy to be frustrated. It's easy to blame this thing, that thing, that person, whatever. It's easy to do that. But it's hard in those moments to be like, right, let me just pause here. Let me really test my mental ability here and it's again going back to even the last episode we did with Vanessa. it's almost like you're kind of gamifying your management like as frustrating and and as annoying as it can be have fun with it from time to time fun i'll use that word for lack of a better one but those highs and those lows are gonna happen but you need to say, how am I dealing with it right now? How am I responding to it? Yeah. And it can be annoying sometimes because, and the way I look at it, it's like new levels, new new devils, right? And I relate that to like, if you are somebody who, you know, hits your first 50%, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100% time and range. And I was only again, having this conversation with my, client's group call last week but it's like you've now realized that you can hit that number doesn't mean that you're gonna hit it consistently but you've proven to yourself that you can be up at that higher number time and range that you may not have hit before and when i say new levels new devils it's almost like when you get to that higher number that you may not be used to or seen before, it can lead to other, let's say, let's call it stresses, right? So for example, because I expect my blood sugar to be where I want it to be, time and range wise, I expect my time and range to be high because that's how I feel my best, I have my most energy, I'm in a good mood, I can focus, I can concentrate, I can perform. Physically and mentally, all right? But when I'm up at that higher time and range, it's easier to become more stressed when you have those highs or lows. Because it's like you're used to being where you want to be. So if you sleep through the night really high, from my experience, it can frustrate you more. Because it's like, oh, well, I was I was going to hit my 95 or I was going to hit my 90 or my 85 or my 80, whatever it is, percent, time and range, week, month, day, whatever. And when you have those highs or lows that you feel as if they kind of throw you off tilt, they can affect you more mentally because it's like, oh, I was so close to this or that's going to knock my time and range. Or you feel as if, you haven't performed as you should perform. Again, this is from my own perspective. So with that, again, going back to the sense of or the idea that how you react to those highs or lows is, in my opinion, one of the most important parts. Because it's easy to be pissed off. It's easy to be frustrated it's more difficult for you to say right let me take a pause let me look at it what happened how can I avoid that to a certain extent moving forward how can I respond in a positive way
1: I like that it's easy to be pissed off let's not take the easy road here let's try and challenge ourselves here and let's try and figure it out yeah the easy thing to do is be pissed off let's not do the easy thing yeah I like that
0: and another one so that was one. I won't okay. keep this one as long because this is going to be a short episode. But an, another thing that happened to me this week was another high and another night of dealing with highs. Right. And this stemmed from me getting sushi due to night. Right. I love sushi. I could just inhale roll after roll after roll. But basically, I'd say the last three times I've gotten sushi how I've gone about it was per roll, I'll take two units as a pre-bolus and then per roll, I'll take one unit an hour and a half after I eat that roll. Right? So the last time I had it, I think it was like I had three units or I had three rolls of sushi. I had two units per roll. So that was six. So that was six units as a pre-bolus. And then I took a unit per roll, an hour and a half after I finished.
1: So what's a roll? Like, I don't eat a sushi,
0: sushi. A sushi roll. So I think. So what like would six, be in that? It was like six pieces.
1: Okay. Right.
0: You with me? Yeah. I, uh, so I'm, I'm trying I'm, to I'm, figure, get,
1: figure what a roll is.
0: Yeah, I'm getting into that now. I'm getting into that now. I'm going to so, just
1: Google what it is. That, <laughs> if you don't know what it, it is, sushi if you're before. listening. No, I had it once in a and I hate it. So we if you're with those. me, I don't know what a sushi roll is. Let's just all Google sushi roll together. Let's take you it. You
0: don't know what a sushi roll is.
1: Oh, yeah, I do. So one of those, oh, they're broken up into a few different things, aren't they? Yeah. So have you not seen sushi be made before? No.
0: Are you, oh, they're broken up into on.
1: tiny little, uh, little, little kind of segments. Right,
0: This Right. What, what you need to do for next week's episode is just research how sushi <laughs> how sushi's made.
1: I hate sushi. It's I, I, hate I
0: used it. to hate it. I used to hate it. But it's, I absolutely love it now.
1: Bleh. I like going to uh, all you can eat sushi and getting chicken and beef. <laughs> i'm Honestly. telling you
0: Greg, we'll go out for sushi one night and you'll love it i'll just yeah. force you to I, like it.
1: if the long is the chicken and beef i will love it yeah. sorry go on i'm with you so, now i'm with you now so the last
0: i think three times that basically was the strategy that i used and it worked really well right so i got sushi just this week and i was like right last three times that's what i've done surely it's gonna work again okay but this is the nature of restaurant or takeaway food you have absolutely no idea what's actually in it right you can make an estimate of what you think may be in it and what amount of insulin you think you may need from or based on your previous experience but essentially you have no idea what's in it you don't know what's in the sauce you don't know what's in the rice you don't know if Even if you're eating in the same restaurant, it could be a different chef that puts a different amount of something in it. You've, you don't really have any idea what's in it. So this, again, ties into the fact that if you go out to a restaurant or have takeaway food, you need to already, before you even eat, accept the fact that your blood sugar will probably do something you don't want it to do. Because there's no way of you precisely calculating exactly what you need for that meal because you don't know what's in it so basically my three most recent previous experiences with sushi it was two units per roll one unit per roll an hour and a half after eating so essentially three units per roll over like a two-hour period the sushi that i got this week i said that's what i'll do perfect that'll definitely cover it Worked the last three times. Absolute nightmare. (laughs) It was horrendous. Used that exact same strategy. And long story short, blood sugars spiked up to like 17 and a half, which is very, very high for me. Much higher than I've been in a while. And overall, I required... I think it was 16 units to cover it all, which is like huge for me, huge. Because when I have a nighttime meal, my insulin sensitivity is at its height later in the day. I've trained, I've moved, whatever it is. And generally my insulin to carb ratio is either one unit per 30 grams or one unit per 35 grams, right? so. I had, what did I say? Was it 16 or 18? 16. 16. So I had 16 units for that meal, for three rolls of sushi, which would equate to 560 grams of carbohydrate. Now, obviously, there's sauces and fats and proteins and stuff involved in that, but 16 units. Wow. That's massive for me.
1: That just shows you really don't know yeah. what is going on in the food when you order it at a restaurant <laughs> yeah. or anywhere.
0: But to give you another example of that. So one of my clients who I've been working with for well over a year now at this stage, she religiously gets the same order from a pizza takeaway every Saturday night, right? She gets chicken wings and a pizza Every single Saturday night, she looks forward to it. At the end of the week, it's a really nice pizza, and same restaurant, exact same order, exact same bowl of strategy in terms of the amount of insulin she's taking and the time at which she takes it. There's been countless times where her bloods have just been all over the place. Now, of course, there are other factors as I know that can influence it: stress, hormones, water, movement, etc. Yada yada yada. But for the most part, because her day is so predictable up to this point, it should stay the same. But like I said, it could be a different chef. It could be a different amount of sauce. It could be a different amount of base on the pizza, cheese, whatever it is, all these different things that can have an influence. You just don't know. So going back to my original thought, An idea that so much of your diabetes management comes down to what are you actually saying to yourself in your head in those moments. And it's easy to be pissed off. It's easy to be frustrated. The difficult thing is to pause, reflect on it and understand why it's happened and what can you potentially do moving forward to avoid that big high or big low in the future.
1: And I think that is the perfect way to wrap it up. And what we've also learned about is sushi rolls as well, which I think is very important.
0: 100%, a vital part (laughs) of everybody's diabetes management.
1: (laughs) (laughs) How to navigate the complex world of a sushi roll when you're diabetic.
0: The complex world of restaurant and takeaway food Can be unpredictable, can be difficult, but manageable at times. But again, the big thing is acknowledging and almost accepting the fact that your bloods are going to behave in ways that you don't want them to from time to time.
1: Oh, that sounds good to me. Thank you very much for another beautiful episode.
0: And to whoever's listening, appreciate your time. Appreciate your ears. Have a good day. Have a good week. Look after those blood sugars. We'll chat to you soon. Take it easy.